What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. Today's guest is Shantae Caulfield, otherwise known as the Movement Maestro. You may know her from Instagram because her account has exploded over the last few years. She's got 60,000 plus followers and everything that she does on the account, she talks about on the podcast. She is a personal brand. She knows how to help you build yours if that's what you want to do. And she's going to talk about exactly the things that she does to do that. Our conversation was really light. It was really enjoyable. We were able to talk about things in a very informal way so that we were able to discuss how healthcare needs to improve, how fitness needs to improve. What is a person's individual responsibility to keep themselves healthy and fit and feeling good? Shantae is a wealth of knowledge and she is totally down to share all of it. All of it. She doesn't keep any of the good stuff back. She shares all of it with you. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Make sure you give Shantae a follow at The Movement Maestro. And let's get to the show. Before we get you to the interview, remember, this podcast is brought to you by the Active Life Seminar. We used to travel around the country and people would pay up to $1,500 to fly somewhere, stay in a hotel, buy food, get a rental car, and miss work to take our two-day seminar to learn how to better assess their clients and their members in their gym so they can identify the movement impairments that are going to hold them back, cause them aches, cause them pains, cause them injuries before it happens. The movement assessments that we teach to coaches, the theory and the science behind them leads gym owners who have clients who are joining their gym from other gyms just like it. So if you own a CrossFit gym, a member joins your CrossFit gym and they say they've been doing it for the last two or three years. You put them through our movement screen and what you're going to hear from them is nobody has ever been that thorough with me before. And they love it. So this podcast is brought to you by the Active Life Seminar. You can find it on our website. And when you go there, all you got to do is enroll in the next seminar. You can do it from home. Do it from the gym. No hazmat suit. No mask. No touching weird people you never met before. This is your first step to finally turning your passion for fitness into a meaningful and fulfilling career. And we believe that fulfilling means you have the ability to help all of the clients who you want to help while earning the financial and time freedom to live the life that you want outside of the gym. That's it. Hope to see you at the seminar soon. Shantae. Sean. Welcome to the, to the, oh, I was going to call it the Movement Maestro podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Active Life podcast. My dude, thank you for having me. I'm stoked to be here. It's my pleasure. Uh, <laughs> like I was telling you before we got started, I have so much respect for the way that you have created your personal brand. It, it's, you made a post recently that I was looking at that said, how do I build my Instagram account? And you, it was like a, a reel and you just described, yeah, yeah. ask, you know, answer the questions that people are asking you most frequently. Nothing is too simple. Go. That's it. Go. It was true. Go. What, but what made you, you're a physical therapist. Yeah. Yep. By trade. What made, right. By trade. What made you decide to start the Instagram world? Uh, K-Star. K-Star and Waddock. Okay. Honestly. So, you know, I'm super familiar with your work. I, from the jump, you know, like we were talking about before the podcast, uh, when I first started, so my first post was September 24th, 2014. And at the time, like no, no one was really doing 
things. And it wasn't like online business wasn't like really a thought. I started it because I was pretty burned out at work and like wanted to connect with people. Uh, I had recently started doing CrossFit and I wanted to learn more. So that led me into Instagram world and that, you know, I found K-Star, I found Waddock and I found Perry Nicholson at the time. Uh, and shortly after, you know, found you around Active Life uh, and saw K-Star doing it and Waddock doing it. And I was just like, I think I could do this. Mm-hmm. Let me try it. But, you know, never having a goal of like, I'm going to have a business doing this. It was literally like, let me just share some information. Let me talk. I like talking. Let me make some videos. And that was literally my goal. Mm-hmm. Do you know Tim? Yes. So I'm also, I, I just left the company earlier this year. Oh uh, no, I guess it was 20, was it 2021, 2020? Uh, but I was, it was rock tape for five years. Oh, so, so that's how you met Tim. That's how I know Timmy. And how, then do you know Kelly? K-Star? Yeah. Yeah. So we actually just met at Danny Matei's. Um, oh, okay. So I'm good friends with Danny Matei. I, I crashed one of his mastermind events and we finally met in person. Uh, so now K-Star and I, Kells, as he said to call him, are officially. Kells? Yeah, he was like, my, my family calls me Kells. And I was like, really? Yeah, be like, oh, do I, I don't know if I want to call you that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll ask him. I'll tell, I, I, I never called him Kells. <laughs> we wrote, and I was like, all right, you're the boss. This is your name. I wish I knew that you were going to be there. We had a member of our team who was at oh. the event as well. And I made sure that she met Kelly. I would have made sure she met you too. Oh, now we know. I'll, I'll probably crash another one. I, I enjoy. I'm actually going to speak with his people in the end of the month. Uh, but the world is so small. It is. That's why you got to be careful so about the, the bridges you avoid burning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you still practice physical therapy, Shante? I don't. I stopped in 2018 uh, officially practicing. And that was one of the one of the podcast episodes that I did that people resonated the most with people was I just talked about how I don't like treating. I love assessment. I've always loved assessment. I don't like holding people's hands through the you know rehab part um, for people that don't didn't want to be doing the things. And so what about for the people who did? Uh, that was fine, but I know there's a better model to do it. Mm-hmm. You are doing the better model. Uh, people that are cash based, more of the concierge are doing the better model. I'm not about that two to three times a week for six, to eight weeks and nothing fucking happens during that time. That's <laughs> not the model for me. Uh, so people that wanted to, to have improvements. Yes. But that's also how I knew it wasn't, you know, this wasn't the thing for me because even those people didn't light me up. I was like, this is great. Right. And I would much rather work with you for sure, but it's still not the thing that I was like, Oh, I'm so excited about this. Uh, so I slowly, you know, pretty much as I did with everything, I'm not like a burn the ships kind of person. I just kind of try to take more of the thing I like and do less of the thing I don't like. And eventually in 2018, I was just teaching a ton for rock tape and traveling to that. And I was like, I'm going to not be treating. And then also knowing full well that that meant that I would stop teaching at some point too, because I didn't have the people around me, you know, the, the, the case subjects, if you will, to be uh, staying current on things. And so that's why I pulled that from that, uh, like at the end of last year. Yeah. I feel like we've lived uh, similar lives in that, oh, in that yeah. regard. I never liked treating. I'm like, I mean, it was yeah. cool. People would fly in for appointments and I'm like, I would get to the office and be like, oh, my schedule's full. <laughs> and so, well, what, yeah. do you, what do you want your schedule to be? Nailed it. I'm like, yeah. Nailed so it. I told my father, he was a chiropractor before I was, and I explained to him, it just feels like I'm driving a Ferrari at the bottom of a lake. Mm-hmm. Like I, I got all this yeah. power and I can't use anything with it. Yeah. So I hear you. I, I wish I, in some ways, I wish I took your approach instead of just being like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> and getting out. But 
you know, we live and we learn. Exactly. So, yeah. So did you do the same thing as you transitioned from rock tape into the movement maestro kind of monetization plan? Because, because I, I just want to, I want to explain to you guys what I'm talking yeah. about. You need to make a living. So totally. you stop, you stopped seeing patients. Uh, you were seeing, you were working for rock tape, you were teaching and you understood that eventually you're like, oh, I can't talk about clinical practice for 10, 20, 30 years. when I haven't mm-hmm. done it in 10, 20, 30 years. Exactly. And now you're not teaching for rock tape anymore. It's all movement maestro stuff. I imagine. Yep. So, so that exactly like you're saying, it was that gradual transition. I am all about having some sort of safety net in place. I, I actually think that, uh, and I think I know that most entrepreneurs and the successful ones are not just purely risk takers are actually fairly risk averse and very selective with the risk that you take. And doing that, it's like, I have a safety net so I can do this other thing that looks like a risk from the outside, but like really isn't. So when I moved to California, it wasn't risky because I already had a a treatment space lined up here because of, uh, you know, my social media presence. I had, my income was pretty much fully from rock tape and that job wasn't going anywhere. So it wasn't like, Oh my God, this big, huge leap. It looked like that from the outside, but very much for me, that that wasn't the case. Same thing happened with leaving rock tape and pulling back from teaching as I was going through rock tape, you know, I was there for five years and somewhere in the middle of that, I was just like, let me take a step back. Let me see what, how much money would I have to make? Because when you work for these companies, right. They, they treat you very well, but you're not making all of the money that comes in for that, weekend, right? If there's 20 people, 25 people, and they're all paying $500, you're not making all of that. And so I was like, all right, this is what I make per weekend. I just need to be able to make that. And I would be okay. I don't need to make, I don't need to have 20 people because I'm not making all the money from those 20 people. Uh, And then tying back into what you had said about, you know, how to start Instagram. I was just like, I need to solve problems for people. And I kept getting the same question when I was teaching. Okay. They're like, they'd be like, okay, I see, you know, this tool, but how do I know when to use it? And what do I do next? And so I answered that I made my own course and rock tape was fully on board with that because I promote their stuff during it. I'd be like, here is how you put out the fire. Here's the tools to do that. But here's the assessment component. Here's the movement, like the next part of it. Uh, and I made my own course because there was a need. I had the, the eyes on social media. I had the trust. I had the eyes from teaching for rock tape for all those years. And I was like, I could do this, you know, in conjunction with rock tape courses and then start to replace that income. I know I just need to have, if I can get eight people, I'm making more money than before. Like I could do that. Eight people doing what? Could, eight people haven't come into my course, right? Yeah. So if, if you, if I'm charging $500, a person for a weekend course, if I get eight people, I'm keeping, you know, I'm keeping all of that mm-hmm. income. Yes. I have to pay for my flight and where I'm going, but I knew that financially then I would be okay. Cause I'm just replacing the income that I was getting from rock tape and, and being able to pull back with that. Uh, and then as I'm moving forward into the future, cause again, I'm not treating and I'm like, I can't be teaching these things forever. I was also getting a lot of inquiries about the business side of things about exactly what you said with, you know, people that were like, I don't really like doing this. I want the happiness that I see you have. And that was kind of behind the scenes. And so I was taking that on. Uh, and then at some point it just became the decision to make that business side of things front facing as opposed to the movement stuff being front facing and COVID honestly helped me with that. Mm-hmm. 2020, I was like, and we're done with movement. Right. <laughs> The end. <laughs> it's no more. We're yeah. doing business. So many questions come up as you're talking. I'm trying to remember all of them because you're saying so much without saying a lot of words. My first question is one of the things that I felt when I finally made the decision that, you know what, I'm not going to treat patients anymore. I'm not going to own a gym anymore. 
frankly, was shame. And it mm-hmm. was, it was, you have hundred plus thousand dollars in student debt mm-hmm. to learn a skill that people are mm-hmm. flying in from across the ocean to have you work on them with. You're making good money. Why are you turning your back on that? And it was, and, and by the way, for something that was totally unproven, it might not work at all. And I felt a lot of shame mm-hmm. in not treating anymore, like not identifying as a chiropractor. Yeah. Did you have any of that at all? Were you just like, nah, fuck that? No, I didn't have that so much as I had the, um, the concern about teaching and not really treating that much. So like there was a time when I was teaching, I stopped treating really in 2018, but I was also like really scaling back going from 2015 to 2018. I was scaling back a ton in my treatment. And so there was definitely that concern when I would go to teach. Cause you know, you have sometimes I go to teach these classes and I'm like, there are people who in these classes who have been practicing longer than I've been alive. And so there was definitely that like, ooh, like I'm not even really practicing as much, but then I, you know, I was like, but also I know my shit and I know what I'm doing and I'm going to teach what I know. I'm not going to teach beyond that. Uh, there was never the, the shame of, oh, I'm leaving this behind. I think I can thank social media for this in that I was like, there's people who want to be doing this and that's who these customers and you know, potential clients should be seeing. And you said it actually earlier, I realized I could have a bigger impact doing something else. And that was always my goals. Like I like solving problems and having an impact. And so that went from one-on-one treating and being like, I can affect this person's life to, okay, I can teach the clinicians. And now they're having that impact on all of the people that they work with. And now I can help these people create a better life. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm teaching in the clinical side. So I, I didn't get that shame per se. Um, but I also think maybe cause I didn't burn the ships immediately and I was still helping people in some capacity. Well, it could also just be because you didn't have any shame in it. And that's, yeah, that's okay right. too. Well, I'm like, yeah, well, so when you got into the, the social media game, there were, there were a few things at play that are not at play right now. Mm-hmm. And I want to hear how you would navigate them now. The first thing was there weren't a lot of people. Totally. Well, there, there probably were, but there weren't, no one really owned the market. And I still don't think anybody mm-hmm. truly does, but cracking totally. in today, there are a lot of other people out there who already have the attention, who are already putting out original content. It's very difficult to create original content that hasn't been created already. Totally. Totally. And totally, totally, totally. Great. So, so, so the first question I have for you is when you did it, there also wasn't a monetization structure to it. So why did you care? Like it's, it's just, let me just add work yeah. that doesn't make me money. And it, doesn't bring me patience. And I'm a clinician, by the way. Why would you do that? Because I didn't want more patience and I didn't want more work in that capacity. I didn't want that. So I was fine doing that. I literally started on Instagram to connect with people. And just because I was like, this is fun. And that's one of the things I really try to impart and instill in people. And when they want to work with me, I'm like, why do you want to be on Instagram? If it's because you think you're supposed to, you're going to stop because you're mm-hmm. going to hate this. I literally did it because I like, I find this enjoyable. So I think, you know, I was definitely set up for more success because of that. I wanted to be doing it. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, the simple answer, it's cool. <laughs> yeah. And, and do you have help now? Are you by yourself? Do you have a team of people? I know that I imagine that you're doing your own posts. You're responding mm-hmm. to comments. You're, you're you. Yeah. Do you have a team of people who are helping you behind the scenes or is it all Shantae? 
Uh, I have a VA who helps with some of the like podcasting. That's usually where I get the most help is the podcasting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a podcast editor now. I used to do it all myself and I was like, this is not fun anymore. No. Uh, so I, I have an editor uh, that does that. I have a VA who helps me with like kind of the scheduling of, of um, some of the, not even the episodes of things going up of like, you know, information getting sent back and forth, but anything that is customer facing uh, client facing, that's going to be all made the social media, the content. Cause I really enjoy doing that. Um, I outsource the things I don't like doing uh, all the emails that I write. They're all me. Mm-hmm. Um, Lex really handles a lot of the um, logistical things. So making sure that people that come on to things get paid, uh, making sure that, um, you know, certain things get posted. I have two Facebook groups. I have people that I that moderate them, um, but I keep the team pretty lean um, and I enjoy it. And it which works out for me. I also, Sean, you know, I don't have any kids. I'm not married. Like I don't have like, I got to you know, scale and have more coming in. It's just like, just me and my cat. So <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will say this, the, the, the kids for me, uh, that is where I started taking my stuff more seriously. Cause yeah. I was like, I got to provide. Yeah. I can't, I can't just be this guy who works endless hours and nothing comes from it. Totally. At this point, uh, the kids don't drive growth. Now, That's now, awesome. now it's trying to drive growth. It's, I'm just like, there is this whole industry between fitness and healthcare that mm-hmm. is being left aside and fitness isn't doing a very good job of evolving itself and healthcare isn't doing a very good job of evolving itself. Somebody might as well butterfly stitch that baby together. So the, the other question I have for you is if you were starting today, yep. you know, it's you, you work with people on this. So yep. how does somebody cut through the noise? Like totally, I don't want to, I don't want to use my ass to attract followers. How do how, I That's okay. You got something in your eyes. I, I see that. And there's like, I don't know if you can hear like a motorcycle. This, the whole world just came through. Sorry about that noise. That's okay. I, did, I didn't hear it. Your, your noise. Oh, okay. Through. The mic worked out good. Yeah. Okay. But um, like it's, it's hard to cut through it. And I know mm-hmm. you're not teaching people to use their asses to do it. So right. how, how does somebody cut through? Consistency and time. Uh, there is, you said it earlier. There's nothing new being said. I don't think there ever was anything new being said. Uh, there's a quote by, I don't remember who the uh, old gentleman is, but basically along the lines of there's no such thing as a new idea. All that we have is a bunch of uh, ideas that we mix together and he likens it to a kaleidoscope of ideas where it's a bits of colored glass and you turn the dial and then you share your view of the kaleidoscope, but there's no like new stuff and they don't need, it doesn't need to be new stuff because wonderful part of what wonderful part about what we do is that we work with people. And when you work with people, you're in the business of trust that in mind, people want to purchase things from people who they trust Mm -hmm. that inherently lends itself to your inherent differences and how you are, it's how you look helping you out. Like, I don't know if you folks listening to this know, but Sean gets a haircut every Thursday, every Thursday, eight 30, Anthony's trends. That's pretty fucking dope. First of all, thank you. But just your haircut alone could be like, someone be like, I like that. I want to work with him mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody else. Like I like that. He, I have the same haircut. Cool. I want to work with him. So when it comes to cutting through the noise, First, right off the bat, I will say to people, yes, it is harder now than five years ago. But guess what? You didn't start five years ago. So stop complaining about it and let's get started. <laughs> like you can't change it. What are you going to do? So what are you going to do about cutting through the noise? You're going to, number one, be consistent, right? Seth Godin talks about the attention trust cycle. You need attention to get trust. You need trust to get attention. What comes first? 
consistency, showing up every single day. And the second part, showing up as you. When, because there is so much noise out there, people are just, you know, they're looking at their peers and they're like, oh, but you know, Active Life did this and Maestro posted this. It can't be about that. It has to be about what do you want to post? Speak your language and focus on connecting with your people. The third part of that is be the best at what you do. Results are like steroids for marketing. Like if you're good at what you do, eventually it's going to come to light. If you're not very good at what you do, well, you're not going to blow up. I don't care how many asses you show up. Maybe you'll get a lot of followers, but they don't pay your bills. That's it true. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> I'm doesn't pull, really matter. I'm pulling up the note-taking device here to mark the time that you just said what you just said, because I want to make a highlight out of that. Love it. That was good. <laughs> that face. Otherwise, otherwise, I, otherwise, I get these messages from the media team. Yep. And they're like, hey, what's the timestamp? I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. This is the show. Put on what you think is interesting. <laughs> How has that been for you? So that was for me a little bit scary. And then I was also like, just do it in terms of having them, having my, my, my editing woman, having her pick the thing for the timestamp. I mean, for the, for the teaser before, if I was like, Oh, that was really good. I'd mark it down. But otherwise I'm like, just do it. Was that a hard transition for you? The hard transition is when they're like, where do you want us to, to, to use? I'm like, I I don't care. I don't don't care. Like I heard something something that Gary V said once. Uh, that was his rule about media content that goes out is if it doesn't offend me, I don't even need to see it. And, and for me, the, the thing was, cause it's just those things down. So yeah. for me, the thing was the harder thing than the podcast stuff going out was giving up the Instagram accounts. Mm-hmm. Like I used to run active life, RX yeah. active life professional, Dr. Sean Pastuch. And there's a voice to that. Yes. And, and my concern was really, is this new voice going to connect with our audience the same way that my voice did? Can this new voice transition from mine mm-hmm. to theirs to ours? Uh, the answer is yes. I, we, Mesa, sure. Mesa Hanawi, who was actually the one who was at the seminar with you, with, uh, okay. with Danny, okay. she runs the Active Life RX. She, she crushes. And Nick Stram runs our Active Life Professional and he crushes. So it took me a month of like, you know, holding the collar instead of the leash. And now I don't, totally. there's no leash at all anymore. Totally. I mean, that's a testament to what you have done. Once you've broken through the trust barrier, you can hand things off. Obviously, just as long as this person's competent uh, and the people will come with you. That's like, that's exactly what I did with pivoting and going into the business side of things. I had so much trust from people that they came with me. And the same thing happened with you when you were starting the the professional side of things. Like, they come with you. You can't, it's just like basketball, right? You have to establish a, a planting foot before you pivot. Same thing. Mm-hmm. You have to build trust with these people. And once you do, you can go in a different direction and they'll come with you. It's just when people are starting and they're like, I talk about this and I talk about this and I talk about this. You build no trust. There's no consistency with people. They're like, what do you actually do? Like, I actually didn't want to go to Walmart. I don't want everything here. I'm trying to get like a specific thing. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that. I was struggling with that this morning. Like this morning mm. I was struggling with it because there are, there are parts of what I, I run my own account, my personal account. No one's touching that. So no one has to worry Love that it. like, Oh, you're talking to some, <laughs> no, it's me. Um, if, if you get a comment from Sean Pastuge, Sean Pastuge wrote it's it. You. And that's, I don't talk about myself in the third person. I'm talking about the Instagram. <laughs> 
the thing that I struggled with this morning was I'm like, I want to teach people how to sell because I think if we don't teach people how to sell, they won't be able to get the outcomes that they want from the people who they want to impact. At the same time, I don't want to confuse people that I'm the guy who talks about sales when I'm the guy who's talking about bridging the gap between healthcare and fitness because we have a major gap there that I think is bigger than either industry on their own. Mm-hmm. And so I do struggle with what you just described, staying consistent on a message because I don't want to be known as a sales guy. Totally. I don't, and I don't want to be known as a guy who's just another one touting the, this is the problem because mm-hmm. I have a solution. It's yeah. learn some skills and then sell them. Yeah. I mean, I think those obviously go hand in hand. You just said it's learn some skills and then sell them. One of the things I think is so interesting, Sean, is that people will see whatever they want, right? Like I, I am not built by any means like a CrossFitter. I look more like Jiminy Cricket. Like we're going to be honest about this. I think you, I think you have uh, some, some sprinter vibes to you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, very got a big ectomorph here. Uh, but I would do videos and because they were in a CrossFit box, people would be like, ah, oh, like I know you only work with CrossFitters. And I was like, there's also no one around me right now. Right. It's just, it's, <laughs> there's, it wasn't like I was like in a, you know, everyone's like slamming weights. It was literally just me filming these things, but people will always see what they want. So, you know, you could do like one post about sales and suddenly people might be like, the sales guy. I think it's most important to be like once, cause once someone like you, you're that established, you have a message to get out. I think it's most important to share, like, this is what is important to me. When people are first building their brand, then I try to be very strict with them. And I'm like, I need you to do the hardest thing you've ever done, which is niche down and get specific. Mm-hmm. And then once you've crossed that trust barrier, you I, can go and talk about the. I things. agree with you. The other thing about that is, um, and my wife has reminded me of this, you know, the, the reason a big part of the reason why you have your own account is so that people can know who the person behind yeah. the company is and they can decide if they like you and then totally. they can decide if they want to work with your company. Totally. And so that's, you know, that's why sometimes you'll see the kids. Sometimes I love that. I love that part about social media and it's what I try. So I really realistically don't coach people on how to create a personal brand. Like that's what I know. That's what I do. I'm not like, Oh, if you want to have like this big, you want to be Nike. I don't know what to tell you to do. That's not what <laughs> I'm not sure. But with this, the beauty of that personal account and a personal brand rather, not a personal account, personal brand is that people get to see you. I was looking today online, actually, because I was like, I think I should get some different toothpaste. This is like where my hand is. Like, okay, let's get some more natural toothpaste. I use like Dr. Bronner's now. And I'm like, is there something else? Like, And I was looking at accounts because someone had shared something. And I was just like, mm, I don't really like this person. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe they have great information, but like, I don't really jive with them. There's something so valuable about showing your face, showing yourself, showing your interests, showing your life, because that's what the people are going to buy. Like you have the exact same information. You have the same exact same information as somebody else, but they just like you better. Mm-hmm. And that's an amazing thing that we can do now for free. You know, it involves our time, but on a free, on a free platform. Well, and, and the thing that you just said there is, I think that the fear that some people have is, but well, what if people don't like me? Like she just said, I don't like this person. Well, perfect. Because the person that doesn't like you isn't someone you would enjoy working with. That's it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of people, 330 million in, in the flow in the, in the United States. Like let's, let's be real. There's a lot of people in the world, 7 billion or whatever it is. Most of them don't have cell phones, but it's a big world. That's what I'm trying to say. So, um, one of the things I want to talk to you about today is where the responsibility of people like yourself, people like me, where is the responsibility to tell people, um, yes, you should be able to take care of yourself and the ability to take care of yourself and here, 
Like I, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I toy with that. I'm not sure where that goes. You know, I've talked to Kells. I've never mm-hmm. called him right. exactly. right. <laughs> I've talked to him about this too. Cause he's the one who coined, you know, every human yes, tree maintain did. themselves. And I agree with him. The question is, you know, and I'm bringing this to you specifically because yeah. you've worked for rock tape. You've used the tools. So many people couldn't name the muscle that they're working on, let alone the origin, the insertion, the direction, the depth, any of that stuff. And then they go ahead and they start rubbing on stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they think that they're helping themselves. I don't know where I think the danger line is there. And I'm curious to your take. I think that we need to give more autonomy and responsibility to the individual, to the user. I think that we tend to put a lot on the provider, which is fine. But if our goal is truly to elevate healthcare, I believe that happened. That's going to happen from the bottom up, right? It's not going to come from the top down. <clears throat> it's going to come from empowering, educating the individual and also giving them autonomy and being like, you t- how are you feeling? What do you, what have you experienced? And trusting them with that. So, you know, when it comes to the social media side of things, I think number one, we're providing general solutions. Is there a responsibility to, you know, not do things that are just inherently dangerous? Sure. I think that there's a, you know, in one breath, we talk about how resilient, anti-fragile the human body is. That was a real big thing for a while, right? Yeah, anti-fragile. And then, we, and then we saw cats falling out of fifth story windows and we're like, oh, we're not anti-fragile. <laughs> we made glass. <laughs> right. We see this in one breath. We're talking about you know, how robust humans are. And in the next breath, we're like, oh, but you might get broken. Like, I think that we kind of need to lean more towards the former side of like, yeah, you are robust. Here's our general solutions. And also you are an adult. I need you to learn to trust yourself. I need you to learn to listen to yourself. I need you to learn to take responsibility for your actions, not just put it on the provider. Because if if we do just put it on the provider, when that patient comes in, they're going to be terrible. They're Mm going to be like, well, what do I do? They're going to be the person that's up your ass all the time. Like, what should I do? What should I be feeling? How many should I do? We don't, we don't want that. So do I think there's a line there? Yes. Do I think that, um, do I think that some providers get upset because maybe it's made more work for them? Yes. I I think, think, I'm sorry, go on. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I think more work, maybe. I think the bigger thing is it makes them less necessary. And if there's a scarcity mindset around totally. how many patients are in the world, and now all of a sudden somebody's able to help themselves with that shoulder pain, totally. they don't need me. What does that mean? So, they don't need me? so that's the thing. You nailed it. That's a scarcity mindset because we all know, like I, I did an email the other day to my people and I was like, if you want to become a better coach, go become a, a student, become a beginner, not like a student, something you already know, become a brand new, I don't know shit about this thing. So I recently picked up beach volleyball. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm very athletic, but I never played beach volleyball before. I don't know anything about it. I'm scouring the internet. I have a coach. I'm scouring the internet for things. I'm looking all around. I will still pay someone to hold my hand through it. I will still pay someone to tell, tell me the things I'm actually out there. Look, there's an account. And I like wanted to reach out to her and be like, mm, your account's kind of bad, but you could be really good. And there's a market for this. If you provide it, actually we're consistent and provided education about this. Cause I don't know anything. And I promise you, and this is one of the things that people always ask, like, how much should I give away? And I'm like, teach everything because people will pay you to say it 
Again, they would pay you to say it to them, specifically for them. They'll pay you to package it all together. And the few people who are, you know, with it enough to piece it, you know, take take your 3000 posts and like piece it together. Amazing. Good for you. I love you. You're a great person. But that's like less than 1% of people. Well, and Shantae, anyone who's ever worked with people who bought from them off the internet, they've heard the same line from everyone who's bought. It's a little bit different here. Exactly. Of course it is, because you're not living in somebody else's body. So the way, the way that you apply the same information is going to be a little bit different. And people will pay for the expertise between the posts. Absolutely. I love that. People will pay for the expertise between the posts. I freaking love that. Put it on a shirt. I, I love that. <laughs> TM. It's yours. It's yours. So- yeah, I think um, I had something I wanted to ask you about, and I, I lost it here, and that's okay because it's because you're giving me such good answers. I'm enjoying talking to you. Just this as is a really human. fun. So, yeah. well, thank you. I'm glad you're having this fun. Really too. fun. What, what you're buying when you pay for a coach is time. You're okay. saying, no, no, hold on. I can get. I'm a good athlete, and I'm mm-hmm. smart, and I'm down to work and be consistent. You told me before we started, you're playing five days a week. Yep. Um, by the way, you could play beach volleyball in New York five days a week, just not all year. I'm just, exactly. I'm, just, I'm like, but for three months saying, of the year, like five months, <laughs> but you're paying for the speed. It's, I only want to get a ball spiked on my face for so long before I can have the appropriate response to it. Right. And I had a conversation with somebody last week and I'm curious to your take on this where they're concerned. And, and I mean it, I don't want you just to agree with me. Mm-hmm. You can, but I don't, okay. that's not what I'm looking for. Their concern was, Sean, working with Active Life is going to cost me like $30,000 this year on the plan that you're describing to me. And I don't have $30,000 to spend to work with Active Life right now. To which my response was, if you spend $30,000 and don't make anything back this year, you shouldn't have spent it. I think this is not money sunk. The question is, how long would it take you to get the same results without us if you believe that we can help you get those results? And his answer is, I don't know, maybe like three or five years. And so, okay, well, how much money will you be losing, if that's true, on the opportunity cost between now and three years from now? How much will that cost? And he did the math and he was like, okay, well, you know what? I'm going to find it. And and good on him. Not everybody does that. What are your thoughts on on measuring the opportunity cost when you're not 100% certain that something is going to work? I mean, as a species, right? We are super loss averse and we're like, we will do anything to not lose something. We never celebrate gaining something, winning something the same way that we're like so salty about losing something from the business side of things. I personally left the business of convincing a long time ago. And if so, if someone was like really resistant, I'd be like, okay, bye. My back doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. I I totally agree with you know, the, the concept of opportunity costs uh, and, and weighing that out, measuring everything out and, and being able to, to calculate that for me personally, it's always been, you have, if you have a goal, you have one option, you do everything that is necessary to reach that goal. Mm-hmm. So I personally can't say that I like, if I had weights to vouch out, I probably would not have got to PT school because I'd have been like, listen, this is kind of a lot of money here. Like, mm-hmm. It helps to shape you though. Yeah. 
Absolutely. hundred percent. Like I, I, if I went back and I do the same thing and do it again, but for me, I think I don't think about those things. I don't necessarily weigh things out. Cause I'm like, listen, if this is my goal, I will do everything that I need to do to achieve it. Yeah. Period. Not to make this the Adrian Conway podcast, but I heard him say it at another seminar a long time ago. He's a great, you know, have you ever met Adrian? Have you, I haven't met him. No, do you know no. who he is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I haven't so, met him or talked to him. Yeah. Well, he's in Utah, so he's not on either coast. So he's, basically lives nowhere. I've, you know. Exactly. Over. <laughs> what, what's there? Sorry to everybody in the middle. I love you. I love you. I love where you are. Um, he said at a seminar, he's like, you know exactly what you need to do to get exactly yeah. what you want to get. The difference between whether you get it or not is whether you're willing to do it. Is it? Yeah. Period. Yeah. It's literally it. Mm-hmm. Period. I truly believe we are alive in the best time ever. Yes. There's like a lot of stuff happening. You know, there's bad things, but you can literally create your happiness. We have so much opportunity, so much. Are you willing to do the things that are needed to achieve the goals that you want? It may be huge steps for you. It may take a long ass time, but guess what? The time's going to pass anyway. Mm -hmm. So do the things you need to do to get the things that you want. And sometimes the goal could just be to have a healthy habit and that's okay totally. too. start there. Great. Right. Uh, when you talked about doing the, everything you need to do to hit the goal, one of the things that flew into my mind is, and before you start, let somebody challenge you on whether that's really your goal or not. Absolutely. Borrowed goals are not the way my mm-hmm. friends. That's one of the first things you look at when working with people is like, why do you want this thing? Can is you go into, actually your goal? Can you go into that more? I've never heard it called a borrowed goal. And I love that. Yeah, I actually borrowed that from Karen Litzy. She said on a podcast we did once, and I was like, that is phenomenal. Uh, yeah, when it's somebody else's goal. I think we see it quite a lot, and people are so into it that maybe they don't realize it uh, until, they are, until they're given a moment. Maybe they're forced to reevaluate. And I think that COVID did that for a lot of people. It forced them to stop mm-hmm. and be like, do I want this? Is this the lifestyle I want? People like mass, like, you know, what is the word? People are leaving California and mass. I'm not going anywhere, but because they had to stop and they were like, do I want to be paying this amount? Do I want to be sitting in this traffic? Is this the life I want or is a borrowed goal? Is this what I think I'm supposed to be doing? I did that math with my wife. We looked at, do we want to live in New York? Like, I mean, I'll I'll tell you, I was talking to you before the house I live in is on a, 60 foot wide <laughs> by, by 97 feet. Yeah. It's, dude, don't even, I, I, when I was at rich, when I was at uh rich Froning's house back in 2017, yeah, 17, he's on 80 acres and I'm like, okay, what did this cost? And I don't want to go into his finances, yeah. but the, the, the point I'm making is, Oh, mm-hmm. that's like a bathroom. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, and that, that's cool. <laughs> it, the, a 60 by a hundred lot, the house that we live in, four bedrooms and two and a half little bathrooms, right? It's like, yeah. we do, we're in the middle of redoing it right now. And the contractor's like, you should flip this when it's over. You could probably get 1.25 million and, and be in a bidding war. I'm like, for this? <laughs> yeah. Are you crazy? <laughs> Location, baby. I, but it's insanity. So we, and with that comes taxes. With that comes your, mm-hmm. your gas costs X, your groceries yep. costs Y, uh, your state income tax, all that kind of stuff. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, do we want to live here? Because she's retiring at the end of the year. Like, do we, yeah. Congrats. She wants to walk the kids to school. Like, I, that's I get awesome. It. Yeah, it is cool. We, we, we decided to that's awesome. kind of come out of the rat race a little bit 
Yeah. And why do we do this? Well, I would really like to be able to walk the kids to school. Well, you can do that. So yeah, that's amazing. Thank you. But the point is we looked at each other. We're like, do we want to live here? And we did all the math and we decided, yes, yes, it's more expensive to be here. And we'll pay that to be around Mm -hmm. family, driving distance from our family, walking distance to mine. So yeah, yeah. totally. Not enough people do that. And I think, you know, you, you nailed it with the rat race and you're in it. And it's really tough to evaluate when you're in it. I think, you know, COVID, a.k.a. the Great Pause was really, or, you know, whatever we called it, uh, we had to, like, stay inside, was was helpful for people. What you call uh, that depends on who you are and how you lean exactly. politically, most likely. Yeah, right. You're right. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> Which is fucking crazy, but that's, that's neither here nor there. You are right. It forced so many people, and I've been, I've been pushing my people to remind them. I sent an email out one month into quarantine. That's what it was called. One month. I sent it on April 29th. So it was like roughly one month into it. And I said, what do you not want to see come back? It was only a month. And I got like 150 responses, you know, people talking about uh, traffic and rushing and busy schedules and um, consumerism was one of them. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) All I I didn't realize that like these things that people didn't want to come back. And I sent that email out again, whatever, a month, two months ago on April 29th, a year later. And I was like, how many of you have let these things come back? Because California is finally starting to open up again. We're, we're behind everybody, but it's finally starting to open up again. But people on my list are from all over. And I was like, I just want you, you don't have to write back to me, but I just want you to look. You said this one month into quarantine. It wasn't like we were stuck for so long. One month. And you were able to identify that you didn't want these things to come back. How many of you have let these things slide back in because it's just easy. You don't have that forced pause anymore. And I think it's really, really important to realize happiness is our responsibility, right? Your own happiness is your own responsibility. You have choices with these things and it may be a big decision that gets made, but I love that you sat with your wife and were like, Hey, do we want this? No one else is going to be in charge of that. No one else is going to make that decision. No one else is going to sit down for you. So it was very important to me to remind people of that. And, and hopefully they're, they're sticking with it. That's become my whole shtick, if you will, like move across the country. I work a lot less, like create your happiness, live your best life, whatever that looks like. It's going to look you know different for everyone, uh, but just reminding people that we have the choice and the ability to do that. You just have to actually, like we said before, be willing to put in the work that it, that it takes to, to do that. Well, it's scary. For, I, and I understand why it's scary. It, it's absolutely you know, the fear of the unknown, the uncertainty that comes with it. When, when I left clinic, my father, like I said, was a chiropractor. My uncle was a chiropractor. It was, I didn't practice like either of them did. They, they would say I was unrecognizable as a chiropractor, <laughs> but you um, mixer, how dare you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but the, the conversation I ended up having that, you know, cause my parents are very important to me. My mom, my dad, my family, like, we're, we're a very tight knit family and I'm, I'm very fortunate to have that. One of, one of the things I actually had imposter syndrome about was I didn't have a rough childhood. Like I see all Mm -hmm. these entrepreneurs who are like, Oh, I came from nothing. I'm like, I I lived in a really nice house growing (laughs) up and my parents were amazing. And I still am really driven. Like I promise I really want it. Uh, but the, you know, all, all of that to say, I told my father and my mother, look, I know you guys want me to be happy. That's what you want. Yes. They said, yes. I said, well, I am happier in the pursuit of something I am passionate about than in the maintenance of the success of something I don't love to do. Amen. And they were like, all right, well that was it. That was it. amazing. Supportive. They were, they're extremely supportive and my wife just as much. 
she was, you know, for her, it was like, wait, whoa, 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 we're finally making money. And now it's like no more money. Uh, but, but, um, the peop- it's scary because you don't know what's next. Like I totally. went on, I went on a tirade that January. I was like, I'll see you in February, babe. I'm going to make a company in January because mm-hmm. I need to know I can do this. Yeah. I fucking love it. I, you know, the thing is, I, I love that we can blend our backgrounds of, I, I've always said, you know, physical therapy, chiropractic, they're very similar to me. It's the best first career. It prepares you for so very much. And I love that we can take the things we learn in there and apply it to other things. We know from that movement perspective, the nervous system is always seeking safety or perceived safety. All right, so familiarity breeds trust. Familiarity is safety. Even if that what's familiar is shit, mm-hmm. we know it. And that's what we see happening post-COVID, where people are like, I, well, we're actually not even post when we were in the middle of it. And people are like, I just want to go back to how it was. And I'm like, but it was terrible. Right. <laughs> it was actually objectively terrible. Uh-huh. But because it's familiar, you want that. So I get it. But that becomes that, that whole concept of like, let's identify it and let's put a plan in and let's work step by step. I get it. It seems safer. It's perceived safety and your nervous system is going to default to that. But guess what? It was actually terrible, which is also why I had people write down what they didn't want to see come back so they could remember because people forget so quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you look, you said this. This is actually it was bad. Here's the proof. Now let's put this these steps uh, in place. I think that for you and I both and tying into this concept of safety, because I had this discussion the other day with a friend who's, who's, she's a doctor actually, but she's still very steeped in like the traditional model. And she was like, isn't it scary for you? Like having, not having like a super predictable income. And the first thing that came to mind was Seth Godin saying, playing it safe is risky. And that traditional model, I think people should have seen that with COVID and people getting furloughed and laid off the traditional, the more traditional model and, and working for someone else, not there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but to me is risky because that could be taken away in a second. Mm-hmm. Whereas I will bet on myself a hundred out of 10 times, whatever kind of math that is, I would do it. I would bet on myself because I know I can figure it out. And to me, there is actually more safety in that. Whether, you know, you said, said it, you're like, I took a month and was like, I'm doing the thing. Cause that's actually the safest thing. Cause you know that you were willing to put in the work and do whatever it takes to get the outcome that you need. Oh, I was already putting work in. It just wasn't in one thing. I'm like, I'm, if I, if I, yeah. I put all that work into one thing, there you yeah. go. So have you ever taken a Myers-Briggs? Uh, you know, people ask all the time. I have taken it, but I always forget the letters that I, I couldn't was. tell you the I letters am. for a second. I just, <laughs> okay. you, you strike me as, as, as fairly similar to me and that I had a coach who put me through Myers-Briggs and when it was done, it was myself and my business partner sitting in a room and he says, okay, so let's go over your scores. And he drew the, the continuum on the wall and he was like, Jeremy, you're here which means you're very relatable to everybody. Like it's very mm. easy for you to understand how people think and for them mm. to understand how you think. Sean, normal <laughs> is here to here. You are 20 standard deviations away. And he did that every single time he drew the thing on the board. He's like, you are, for all <laughs> intents and purposes, unhireable. Yes, I am completely, <laughs> I agree. I'm unemployable at this point. Yeah, and, and it's, so I think that there's something to be said for you, for me, for people who are wired kind of the way that we are, that the safest place to be is on our own. Absolutely. And then there are people for whom the safest place to be might be to be a number two. Totally. And that's cool. Yeah. 
something that I like to, well, not that I like something that I think about and, and you were speaking to, I think you said it better than I typically could is that the safer your position, the stricter the punishment when it comes when it goes away, Yeah, because exactly. yeah. you're used to safety. Now what? Yeah. Like you want to talk about uncertainty. Nailed you are, it. You know, you are, <laughs> you are, yes, yes you are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So do, do you have family on the East coast, by the way? All my family is there. Every single one of them yeah. what, what, uh, is there. What state? Uh, Jersey, Pennsylvania area. They're all like kind of two hours away from okay. each other. Okay. So, so it was leaving a lot when you went out to California. For sure. Uh, but I never, it was leaving a lot, but it was not even a, I, I'm not not close with my family, uh, but it, I don't see them every day. I talk right. to them pretty much every day. I mean, text every day. And that's how I've always been just like my whole life. I, although I will say I didn't go to PT school on the West coast. Um, I applied to USC. I got an interview and I pulled it, uh, because my, at the time, my youngest brother, he's 18 years younger than me. So he was only like four. And I was like, I'm going to be poor and I can't like fly back to see you. So I should probably <laughs> stay on the East coast if I'm going to see you growing up. Uh, but it never, it never was a, an issue for me or thought. I think, you know, if we're keeping on the theme of safety, money has always to me equaled safety. And not that I need someone to give me money, but when you have money, you have the ability to solve problems. Not all of them, but especially your money problems. Uh, and so I was like, you know what? I can make money and I can come back and see you. I work for myself. I can come back and see you. So yeah, I'm moving away, but I have the money and the time to be able to fly back. I can fly. I fly my brother out here. Like I can fly you out here to come hang out with me and this will be a better life. I'll be a better person. So there wasn't, you know, to me, a big perceived risk in doing that. It's interesting how you just said that. I talked about money equals freedom today. Yeah. And I saw, I saw something a while back. Well, it saw, I was at an event and it was a small event, a mastermind kind of thing. And one of the speakers was talking about how, yeah, I make a lot of money. But at the end of the day, when we all go to bed at night, the only difference between you and me is I get to check a box that says doesn't need money. And to someone in the audience's credit, they raised their hand and they said, well, that's a big fucking box. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, <laughs> exactly. I don't, they're like, I don't get to check that box and that keeps me up at night. So yeah. the thing that I came to understand through that meeting and through more meetings is that making a lot of money actually isn't that difficult to do. You just oftentimes have to sacrifice doing everything that you want to make that money. Mm-hmm. The, the beauty what I'm chasing on a regular basis is only making money doing things that fulfill me. That's it. Right. So it's, Absolutely. you got And what, are, like, what are, I don't know how long it took Absolutely. you to, to monetize for, for safety and freedom, but what do you tell the people who you work with when they want to make the money faster than you know is likely and are unwilling to do the things that cause them to sacrifice the money that they have to pursue the money that they might never make, but might. Get out of my face. No, I say to them. <laughs> I have on. no empathy for you. Exactly. Come, come back to reality. <laughs> um, actually, I think we did very similar posts the other day because my friend Anthony sent me and he was like, yo, you and Active Life are on the same page today. Uh, but I've always felt if you focus on solving problems, the money comes. If you focus on money, problems come. Yeah. <laughs> so the money always comes. There is no, uh, when we have that urgency, right? The urgency, in my opinion, is the enemy. I'm not a fan of it. Uh, there's, there's a beauty in deadlines. 
that's different than, than, you know, this continuous and constant urgency. So for the person that's saying that, I'm like, that's not a realistic goal. One, I'm not going to work with you because you're going to be so, have so much urgency. You're going to make bad decisions and that money is never going to come. The money comes, but it's solving problems. It's showing up for your people. It's building trust with your people that comes. And that shit takes time. There's no getting around it. I might need to hire you as a therapist because urgency <laughs> is like, I wake up in the morning and I open my eyes and there's a big neon sign that says urgency <laughs> on the ceiling. Now, I don't really have that, but that's how I live. Everything in my life is about now, 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 now. Like my, I have a, my mentor who I work with right now, his name is Ken Andrico. I've been with him for almost three years. He's phenomenal. And one of the things that he tells me all the time is he's like, if you could start living in the present 10% more and live in the future 10% less, you would be so happy. So, and, and he doesn't say it just like that. He's just like, yeah. why don't you come back to today? Because uh, uh, no matter what we do, no matter how much success, what tangible financial, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm like, what's next? He's like, how about we celebrate what is? I think there's such such a both and situation. I'm not going to lie, Sean. I feel like on Instagram, things are getting soft. I'm not going to lie. Oh, they're definitely soft. They're getting so soft. I'm like, that's it. Baby poop. The drive that you just said is what has led to your success. So I love that he said just 10%. It's not about like getting rid of all of it. Cause then you'd like have no, no right. success. Like right. that drive that like, what's next? I can do better. Is there a more efficient way to do it? I love that. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. It just becomes one of those both ands, you know, situations where it's like, I love that. I am like that. And also I'm going to the beach today. Right. Nice out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, Shante, you have courses that people who want to kind of get their mind around what we've been talking about today can probably soak themselves in it for a substantial period of time and not have to figure out all of the steps that they need to take on their own. They're going to get the guidance. I imagine I I have to be transparent. I haven't taken the courses, but I would love to learn a little bit about them so that people who are interested in your next one comes out. What do you say? September? September. Yeah. So, So, I'm, I'm more about, uh, I'm all about, you know, focus and not having a zillion products. Uh, so my main thing that I run is called the Instagram intensive. It's a six week group coaching program. And I just take people through how to use Instagram for online business. I market it as such because that's digestible. Clearly, if anyone that's in my circle, area know they're going to get more than that. It's really largely an introduction to online business as an introduction to how to build a community on social media. And it's six weeks. And then you have to go and do this thing for like the rest of forever. And I'm very transparent about that. Uh, but I run that a few times a year, depending on my mood. Uh, and the next one will start because I was like, I'm going to take the summer off. I'm not going to lie. We'll do different things, but I'm going to take the summer off from that because I do a bunch of other coaching stuff. But that program will return uh, at some point in September. Uh, and I really do think that it, for people that are looking at how do I, how do I you know, attract my audience? I don't want to say find my audience because I don't think you find your audience. Mm-hmm. You attract it. So you have to show up, put yourself out there every day. So people are looking for help and attracting their audience, finding their voice, showing up authentically as themselves. That's what I do. We go over it for six weeks. You have a group of other people doing it with you. And that's it. I was talking about what you just said on a podcast with somebody else this morning. And I mentioned you and it was the idea that the post that we talked about earlier, how do you start? 
Mm-hmm. Just answer the questions people are asking you and people will find you. It was the idea that you don't need to go through this crazy experiment to figure out who your target audience is. Right. You just need to answer the questions that you enjoy answering and your target right. audience is going to find you. That's literally it. Yeah. And people want this, you know, two things I will say there that, uh, you said, and I love the first part is starting off with what you enjoy, because some of the pushback I get, cause everybody always has some reason they can't do the thing. The pushback initially is like, nobody asked me any questions. And I'm like, well, we sound a little boring, but that's okay. <laughs> like, that's fine. Next step is start with what you enjoy, because that's what the business has to be built around. Yeah. And I love that your parents supported you in that as we made that switch. So start with the things that you enjoy. If no one's asking you anything, that's totally fine. What do you enjoy talking about? What questions do you have? What questions have you answered for yourself? What has been helpful for you? I think that's the, you know, the best, the best place to start. Yeah. I had a second point that I totally escaped my head. It's going to come back though. One of the things that that I've, I've done in the past to, to talk about what you just described was when, when other people are posting throwback Thursday, like look how jacked I was Look at me in college football. For me, a throwback is I wish I knew this before. I, love that. I wish I knew this five years ago, two years ago, one year that. ago, because there are people who are where you were five years ago, Absolutely. One year ago yesterday. Right. Yep. If you don't know Absolutely. where to start post with things that you wish you knew when, and then people 100%. will ask you questions about that. And now people start asking you questions. 100%. The other thing 100%. that I, I, I watched you do really well since 2014 is it didn't matter if the oh audience, God, it's all good. Oh it, didn't, it didn't matter if the audience was 60,000 something people or 20, you know, and I wasn't around when you had 20, but you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, totally. Too many people, I believe, are focused on the audience that they don't yep. have. Instead of the audience that they do serve the people who were there. That's it. That's it. That's, that is the secret sauce. People need to understand again, tying back into that idea that we're in the business of trust. The people who you get the results for, they are going to spread your message farther and faster than you ever could. Yeah. You could go on TV right now and be like, I have this amazing thing. You'd get like maybe one customer, maybe probably not though. Cause they'd be like, who the fuck's this guy? <laughs> Whereas if you get results and you are remarkable for this person, they're going to go and tell someone. If you're really good, they're going to tell their family. That's like the ultimate compliment, right? They're going to tell their best friend and tell their family. And the clientele grows like that. Is it slow? Yes. Is that how you pandemic proof your business? Absolutely. I think best friend is a higher compliment than family because a lot of people don't like the family at all. <laughs> it's fair. Like, you know what? Right. I'm, I'm going to see what my sister thinks of it. <laughs> see what that bitch thinks. Not my sister. I love you, Robin. <laughs> Shantae, where can people find you? Uh, easiest place is Instagram uh, at the movement maestro. Maestro is spelled M A E S T R O. I know it's hard to spell, but there you go. We'll link it. I so appreciate you sharing some time with me today. I really enjoyed this conversation. This is I would great. love to catch up in person sometime. Yeah, this was absolutely phenomenal. Like, thank you for bringing me on. Thank you for being so dope. This was great. My pleasure. I'm happy to be dope. I'll talk to you soon Adios I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Life Podcast If you did Please be sure to head to wherever you listened to it And give us a quality review As well as 5 stars if you can spare them If you want more from us Feel free to follow all of our social media accounts At Active Life Professional Active Life Rx And Dr. Sean Pastuch on Instagram Remember At Active Life, we believe that the healthcare clinic of the future is the gym. 
and the healthcare provider of the future is the coach. We also believe that that future is now. Time to go.